Hello, Metro Augusta, and hello, Georgia. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the February 15th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. We will start off today with a quick visit from retired Lieutenant Colonel Joyce Law, and she's providing information about a program that's taking place on tonight. Then we will be joined by Dr. Wayne Frazier for another episode in our ongoing occasional series about public education and what can be done to improve it. Thanks so much for being a part of our Local Matters family and be blessed. Local Matters listeners, uh, today we are favored with a visit by one of my favorite people in Metro Augusta. Uh, and she's here to tell us about a really special event um, she is Joyce Law, a retired senior grade military logistics officer whose work included humanitarian relief, race relations, and equal opportunity. You may remember Joyce as a former staff historian and program manager at the Lucy Craft Laney Museum of Black History. In her retirement, she serves as the CSRA region co-representative for the Georgia African American Historic Preservation Network and is recently appointed a diversity scholar of the National Trust for Historic Preservation. This afternoon, Lieutenant Colonel Law is here to highlight the 15th Annual Interfaith Service of Celebration, Keeping the Dream Alive, Why Dr. King Still Matters, which occurs tonight, Wednesday evening at 6.45 p.m. How are you doing today? I am doing just great, Janice, and happy Valentine's Day. I hope that you get lots of hugs and kisses on this special day. <laughs> Same to you. you. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit more about the event, 15th Annual Celebration? Um, we gave the time, Wednesday, 6.45 p.m., where it's going to be, and just what, what um, those who visit will uh, get a chance to take advantage of once they're there. Okay. Well, thank you for this opportunity for your listening audience. And so, as you did a mention in the uh, introduction, this is the 15th annual event. It's the largest interfaith celebration to honor the work of Dr. Um, Martin Luther King uh, Jr. that's held in the Central Savannah River area. And we have folks that come from even further than that because it is such a popular uh, event. So again, it's going to be at Sacred Heart Cultural Center. And what's interesting about holding it at that location is that part of the mission for the signature event is to open up gateways for different people in the community to go someplace that maybe they would not feel comfortable before. But what brings everybody together is the life and the work and the philosophy of, of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So that means this year is at Sacred Heart, but previous years it has been in locations you know, throughout Augusta, 
uh, that were hosted by the different um, denominations and different faiths. And so that's part of building this bridge of unity uh, within the uh, Augusta and the CSRA community. Our featured speaker this year is Dr. Eddie Glaude of Princeton University. And many of your audience members um, may know him, the opportunity to get to know him, uh, also through his book, Begin Again. And it's about James Baldwin's America and his urgent lessons for our own. And so there were also, in addition to Dr. Glaude being the keynote speaker, there will be a book signing after the event. And that will be hosted by the Book Tavern. So that means if someone is not um, able to stay later to, uh, to get a book, the line might be long, that they can visit the Book Tavern, you know, to also to purchase a copy uh, of the book. Um, you know that Arts in the Hearts of Augusta is one of the, our largest cultural attractions, you know, for our area. And people come out for the good food and the music. But Augusta has an extremely large religious diversity also too that follows along with cultural uh, diversity and the progressive religious coalition has hosted that the largest array of religious uh, diversity for the MLK um, service uh, this year our service will be uh, dedicated to honor the member of community activist Reverend Terrence Dix who passed away uh, this past um, January. And another feature of the MLK service is that a portion of the donations that we collect during the invitation to generosity will be going to Georgia Legal Services program, of which Reverend Dix happened to have served for 20 years on their board of, of directors. And so in the previous years, we've donated to Augusta Mini Theater, Safe Houses of Augusta, St. Stephen's Ministry, uh, Mark Aberton, who's a local videographer who does um, filming on ecology in you know, Springfield Village. And, and so it's to meet, help meet some of the needs of the underserved in, in our community to further human rights. That is wonderful. So in one night, you get a chance to acknowledge the memory of Dr. King we have a national figure, Dr. Glaude, because uh, I've seen him on television, on Twitter. I mean, he's a national figure. Yes. A national scholar. Yes. Uh, get a chance to support a local business, which is the Book Tavern, and which is located on Broad Street. Yes. And you get a chance to uh, provide support to Georgia Legal Services, which represents some of the uh, most uh, vulnerable citizens in our area. Yes. And it's so interesting, although Dr. Glaude is an international figure, he's a graduate of Morehouse College and he serves now on the board of trustees of Morehouse. So Augusta is a homecoming in a way for him because your Morehouse began at Springfield Baptist Church. That's right. That's right. Uh, Porsche, the Augusta Players will be performing along with um, the Augusta University Choir. So there's a little bit of something for, for everyone, in addition to the, lit, to the litany that we're presented by the array of different faiths and denominations in our area. Thank you. Thank you.
Local Matters family. Today, our guest is Dr. Wayne Frazier. Uh, as you all, many of you know, he has been a member of the Richmond County Board of Education um, for, I think, at least in his second term. Is that right, Dr. Frazier? In my second term. In the second term. Before that, he was a principal and educator within our Richmond County public school system. So as we have our periodic discussions about improving public education, I thought it was very appropriate that we invite him in. In fact, he was suggested by another member of our Local Matters family. So we are so pleased that he has been able to join us today. How are you doing today, Dr. Frazier? Doing excellent. Very good. Uh, I'm just glad to be here and feel this weather. And some people say we have bad weather, but I think all weather is good weather, as long as you can feel it and touch it and smell it. So I'm happy to be here. Very good, very good. One of our traditions on Local Matters is that we typically ask our guests to tell our audience a little bit about the arc of their careers. Um, so if you could just take a couple minutes, tell us where you're from, how you decided to go into the field of education, and um, then we'll use that uh, introduction as um, a way to get into what we really want to get into in terms of the meat of our conversation. Yes, ma'am. I'm from uh, originally from Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, I came out of a family of 11 children. Uh, I went into the military uh, after graduating from high school. And I stayed in the military for 23 years. And after retiring from the military, I attended Payne College here to, to finish my educational uh, degree. And I, from there, I went to uh, attended South Carolina State University to get uh, advanced degrees. And I had no intention of being being an educator. However, uh, it chose me uh, in that I was encouraged by some military people to get into it and some family members. And I think other than my children and my wife, that's probably the best thing ever happened to me in my life is by being part of it. Uh, educating my community and uh it's been fairly fun and very easy because the children that i've dealt with came from exactly of the same background most that i came from so and i i retired after approximately 20 years as a teacher assistant principal and principal in the school system and now i'm on the uh, richmond county school board representing district four all right, very good. Now, what subject did you teach when you started in the classroom? I started with uh, science and math. I taught that for a while. No, I started with uh, special needs children. And uh, then science and math with uh, special needs and regular classroom children. All right, very good. I always just like to share some about the background of the guests. I think it helps our audience connect with you. Um, and having given us that background, 
tell me um, about the schools. And when I say tell me about the schools, what I'm getting to is that, of course, during the election season last year, I had all of the candidates for the school board seats come on. And there seemed to be a pretty significant discrepancy about whether or not our schools are uh, failing. Uh, some of the candidates, particularly the challengers, will come in and say, hey, we got to do something and we got to do it right now because I mean, most of our schools are quote unquote failing. And then some of our incumbents would say, well, we think if we say the schools are failing, that says our children are, that says that our children are failing and that sends a bad message to those kids. So in your opinion, what is it? I believe uh, after being on the school board, first based on where I come from, the way I came up, where I live, I came up very poor and I came through the school system right at the beginning uh, of integration. And I've seen from then until now uh, what has happened with public education. And as it relates to failing, our children are not failing. I believe we as a public school system and especially as a community are failing our children. Our children uh, uh, that we are, should be taking care of are no different than uh, they were 50, 60, 100 years ago. The children haven't changed. We have changed with uh, uh, how we treat them and, and what, we, what laws we put in place uh, that affect them. It's, and I'll just give you a small example. The children did not sign uh, any legislation to say it's all right to play music uh, or for them to have access to music every kind of vulgarity you can imagine. These children did not decide that uh, it was all right to have television shows in the middle of the day that uh, shows sexually explicit uh, movies or shows uh, in the middle of the day. And children did not decide that their parents are certain demographics of parents, fathers uh, would be jailed uh, and mothers would be forced into a welfare type situation. So it's a lot of things that we have done as a society, as a community and as a school system that has impacted our children and caused them to have an even, even more uh, mental uh, stress on them. Uh, and we expect them to act normal with all of this that we are doing. And then when they don't act normal, uh, it's their fault uh, or the parents that they don't, a lot of them don't have, it's their fault. So we are constantly trying to make it pretty that uh, make the situation pretty in a way as it relates to children failing or not failing or or they are just being challenged, or we're going through some challenging situations, but it is a it is a situation of failure. 
but it's not the children. It's us as a community and as a society uh, and as a system. That's that's just what I believe based on what I've seen, what I've witnessed firsthand. Thank you for that. And as you think about that, um, is it Richmond County? Is it Georgia? Or do you think this is just a trend across the country? It's a, to, based on what I've seen, man, it's a trend across the country as it relates to uh, certain demographics of children, basically poor children uh, and minority children. Uh, and when I say a, a trend, the, 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 the school systems across the nation in a lot of places are taken out uh, of the curricula as a uh, certain things that our children used to be able to uh, talk about or the teachers was able to teach about certain historical events that has taken place in this country that has impacted especially black children uh, and allowing them to know who they are and where they come from. A lot of those uh, subjects are being taken out of the system. And one of the things that we all know, if, if you uh, do not know who you are or how you got here, uh, how you fit into a society, uh, you tend to be in some in some ways lost, and <clears throat> that group of children or people or that are in that situation uh, have very low self esteem about themselves because now we have to depend on whatever the media say about that group and and uh, <clears throat> whatever. A society says about that group. And a lot of times when you're poor, especially uh, Black African-American, the images of us are not very positive in a lot of areas. And, that, and then we basically say it's that, it's that group's fault for being in, in such a condition. So it becomes sort of a blame the victim situation exactly uh and that's just and you know and i there's a lot of data and a lot of studies that uh can verify what i'm saying but that's but that's just my opinion based on what i've seen and, and the way i've grown up and what i've had to endure as just as a black man and as a black child i remember growing up as a in uh, what took place in my community and and how I was treated. And based on that, I can see how these children are treated and and they are being treated 10 times worse than I was in the, in the late 50s and early 60s. So in, in my opinion, we are going backwards fast in our communities. Uh, and if you look in, look in our communities, our children have basically been relegated to a situation where they have no choices as it relates to their education. If they are not, if they are not in the 
in a public school environment, they are they don't have any choice uh, but to choose public school because uh, they economically they are not able to choose private schools and and uh, church schools or ch uh, charter schools because uh, that requires money. And most most people today that I know of that want their children to get a quality education, not saying that public education in some places will not allow you to get a quality education. But what I'm saying is that most people that I know that want their children to get a, poly, uh, 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 a good education, if they have money, they're going to send their children to a private school. Or they're going to send their children to one of those one of those uh, magnet school type programs. Uh, <clears throat> but the poor children don't have any choice but the public school system. And when 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 you only have McDonald's uh, and the McDonald's without a Burger King, McDonald's tend to charge you whatever they want to charge you and give you whatever it is. Uh, that they think you deserve. And sometimes school systems uh, adopt that kind of mentality. There's no real uh, urgency uh, in this country based on what I've seen for poor children or poor people, period. So you have to take what we give you and we don't have to worry about you suing or getting upset because uh, it's going to take funding for you to get a lawyer to just to fight for yourself. So take it or leave it. Unfortunately, we have uh, that mindset in some parts of public education. And not saying that we don't, we don't have good people in, in public education. We do have good people. Some of the best people I've met, best educators I've met is right here in Richmond County school system. And some of the worst is right here in Richmond County school system. But we tend not to want to talk about the, the worst because we don't want to hurt anyone's feeling. We don't want to talk about the things that negatively impact public education because the people that sitting in the room a lot of times are the ones who actually are negatively impacting public education and sometimes we don't want to hurt their feelings and we are rather just continue to allow the children to fail because they really can't they don't have any advocacy and they don't have a, a voice so it's easier to let the children fail than hurt somebody's feelings in the room to let uh, them know that they are part of the problem or their or their rules or their uh, standards or whatever is part of the problem so we are rather uh, just brush over it so we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or get anyone upset. It's easier to let the children fail uh, that can't complain about it. So that's just what I've seen in uh, certain situations. I think, and, and I believe it's widespread. Uh, and uh, I don't think it's really going to change until the community changes. And as you talk about community change, is there anything really we can do? I mean, what, yep. what would you, if you had a crystal, if you could 
had a magic wand and you could make anything happen that needed to happen to improve situations for those young people that you're discussing, what would that be? I would I would get the leaders, the, the leaders that um, I hope we have in, in, in Richmond County together and we come up with an agenda uh, that speaks to what issues we are having in our community as it relates to education and make sure we, with that agenda, come up with a plan of how we going to, how are we going to impact education based on that agenda. And we uh, actually do the work uh, using that agenda. And when I say using agenda, I'm not talking about using elected officials, uh, board members, uh, sometimes become too politically correct or commissioners, anybody that's in politics, a lot of times uh, service becomes secondary when you're a politician and you focus on being politically correct. Because a lot of times the service goes out the window, but we are, we are really servants. We, that's what we are. That's what we was voted in office for to serve, and sometimes we allow the po politics part of it to uh, overtake the service part because it's it's very hard to be in a political position and not be politically correct. You're gonna get a lot of you gonna you you're gonna form a lot of enemies because being politically correct means you 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 need to get along with everybody and you need to uh, uh, make sure that you you on the same page with everyone else uh, all of the time, most of the time. And a lot of times when you're trying to do that, it's hard to serve the people who need the most help because the people who control the politics uh, are the ones who make the rules and the rules are basically made to enhance their lives. Uh, the politicians, not the, not the community, uh, servants because the servants are, are there for to serve or to uh, are there to serve not to enhance their lives so uh and i would i would another thing probably i would do though i would probably give the poor children another option there's no competition for the dollars private school dollars for poor children and uh, unless we do something together to educate our children without uh, requiring them to have a lot of money, uh, they're not gonna get educated. And that's just my opinion. I don't see how right in this time, in this age now, based on the condition of public education and politics, I don't see our children come out coming out of this uh, successful. Okay. You said uh, several mouthfuls. Um, and I first thing, just in a nutshell, what I've heard you say is that the um, political correctness is killing public education. Yes, ma'am. 
Okay. And I've heard you talk about alternatives. And when you talk about alternatives, particularly for those lower income children, families from children from low income families, are you uh, advocating for charter schools, advocating for school vouchers? Just kind of how do you see those options taking shape? Well, I'll just say this. The the uh, the model it, to educate poor children uh, has already been formed. It's, it's schools all over the country. Uh, I can't call one this one in uh, Atlanta now, but it's in a it's in a predominantly black poor neighborhood, right in the middle of a poor neighborhood. And I don't know the exact, but I believe they have about a 98 to 99% graduation rate and 85 to 90% gone to college uh, or either a a technical school or the military. Uh, But this is so, so, so can we educate the children that comes out of these type of Yes. Uh, so what I'm saying is we don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's already there. For instance, when we start talking about does race impact education? Some people don't want to say it. Some people don't want to say that, don't want to talk about that. But yes, it does. So much so that we're supposed to be an integrated school system but you can't make people integrate if they don't want to nobody no one you know we act like we don't see it but you look at if you look at most all of the uh major white churches in augusta georgia have a k through 12 in their churches most we we out the white children are going to their private church schools or whatever we don't I think we have less than 10 or 15% of Caucasian children in Richmond County. And, and most of them are in, a, in those uh, special programs or in the magnet schools, based on what I've seen. Most of these schools are now uh, African-American, black, poor children. So there's no such thing as integrated schools now. Sometimes, and some of these schools, I think we have more white teachers than we have white students. So the integration part uh, is not there. That's the first thing. And those children are not in, not, they are not in public schools. Now, for whatever reason, parents have a choice to, if you, you know, you have a right to take your children wherever you want to. I have no problem with that. And that's good. However, based on the economic situation of black children, they don't have black children, uh, poor children don't have another choice. And if you look in our community, you can't find one church with a K through 12 uh, school in the church. So there's a lot of issues that's impacting our community other than just bad children and bad parents. 
But that's the that's the that's it. That's the thing we point at all the time. You know, the children just too bad today, and the parents don't care uh, because those other subjects is a little bit uh, harder to talk about or to put on the table. Thank you for that. Uh, we're going to wrap up this as part one of our conversation with Dr. Wayne Frazier uh, of the Richmond County Board of Education. Uh, please plan to join us next week where we'll finish uh, part two of our conversation with Dr. Frazier. And in episodes following that, we'll try to get our candidates in who are running for the District 6 school board seat. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.